James 5. The end of James 5 is talking about effective prayer. And it starts off talking about if anybody is suffering, you should pray. If is anyone cheerful, you should sing. If is anyone sick, you should get the elders from your church to come, put olive oil on your head, and pray for you. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person and will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. And so there's some kind of link between sin and sickness. And I think we forget about that a lot today. Uh, there's, it is not always because of sin, but obviously there is some link. And I certainly ignore that link. More often than not, when I'm sick, the first place I go should be examining my heart, examining my attitudes, examining my sin, and confessing that, and humbly coming before God, and asking for forgiveness and healing. And that's typically not where I go. Usually I go to, you know, get some medicine, or, you know, feel sorry for myself and just assume it'll wear off. And that's not, that's not where I should be going first. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The intense prayer of the righteous is very powerful. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and for three and a half years it did not rain on the land, and he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. So, I'm looking that up, and I got carried away a little bit. So that happens in First uh, Kings 17, and then the when he prays again, that's actually in First Kings 18. And so you end up having to read both chapters all the way through, and, and you get the introduction of Elijah, and then this awesome, awesome story, and and yet in that I can see when I'm looking at it through those eyes that. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was not he was not cut from different cloth. He wasn't a superhuman. He was a man too. But he was a man who loved God and listened to God and followed God. So it starts off, introduces Elijah, and uh, he goes to the king and he says, It's not going to rain. And so then God says, All right, you get out of here go away to this this hidden place where there's some water and I'm gonna have ravens provide food for you and so Elijah goes there and ravens provide him food twice a day while he drinks water from this wadi until it dries up and then he goes into town and there's this widow who has a son and they're about to eat their last meal and Elijah says bake me some bread and she says I don't really have anything to give you and Elijah says, do it, and God will make it so that that flour and that oil will last until the Lord comes, until the day of the Lord. I think that's what it says, day of the Lord. I'm paraphrasing as I'm going through here, because I want to summarize. Anyway, but, but it happens, and the flour and the water don't run out, and they, they live for days on this. And then the woman's son dies. And what's interesting that, you know, tying it back into the book of, of uh, James there is 
she doesn't come up to him and say humbly please help my son she she's she doesn't say my son is sick please heal my son she says have you come to remind me of my guilt and to kill my son and so there's a there's a connection there between her son's sickness and her former guilt something she did in the past maybe why she I don't know I, maybe something she did in her past that she feels guilty about and and she says have you come to remind me of my guilt and I thought that was that's that's weird that's not that's not what I would have said he this awesome miracle is happening in her house every day whenever they make food and and she kind of comes out swinging with this it's weird but Elijah said to her give me your son and so he goes upstairs with the son and he prays earnestly repeatedly and um, and then God listened and this isn't like he said it once like he stretched himself over the boy three times crying out to the Lord and if that was me I probably would have given up after the first time maybe the second time three times <clears throat> and so the Lord listened to Elijah and returned the, the boy's life to him and he he took the son downstairs and he presented the son to his mother and said look your son's alive and then he went on and then uh, here we are 18 so after a long time the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said go present yourself to Ahab so Ahab, uh, Elijah has been hiding in various places from Ahab and Ahab has been like super like seeking him and looking for him he runs into Obadiah and uh, Elijah says go tell Ahab here I am and Obadiah is like whoa whoa you like we've been looking for you everywhere if I go and tell Ahab that I found you and then we don't we come back here and you're not here because God's spirit just whisks you away random places I'll, he'll kill me and so Elijah swears he's, he'll be there and then he says, all right, we need to decide. So you guys take your 450 prophets of uh, Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah and meet me up at uh, Mount Carmel and bring all of Israel with you. I always forgot about that. I always thought it was just the prophets and, and Elijah. But he says, bring all of Israel with you. Um, so it must have been a crowded place. So they get up there, and this is the part where they're up on Mount Carmel and they do all of this like cutting and singing and and you know eventually Elijah starts mocking them and and uh, making fun of them as they're uh, doing their sacrifice because they're they're praying to a God who is not powerful they're praying to they're, they're praying to a false God and Elijah says that Yahweh is God and we have to decide that Yahweh is our God. And so he sets up his altar and he, he digs a trench. He puts the 12 stones on there um, in the name of Yahweh. And he gets uh, 12 jars of water, three jars of water, or uh, four jars of water three times, I think. Yeah, fill four water pots. Um, and then a second time and then a third time until everything was drenched and, the, and it was filled. And then he prays, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant 
and at your word, I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And then fire fell from heaven. Wouldn't that be cool if you could pray a simple prayer and fire fell from heaven? And yet we have a nature, same nature as Elijah. I don't know where we lost that faith. I don't know where we lost that along the way or we just fell into you know different interpretations but he was in line with what God was doing in Israel he was submitting himself under what God was doing he wasn't doing his own thing he wasn't doing it for selfish reasons he wasn't doing it so that he could be all great and powerful he was hiding and being fed by birds for three years or for some years until he went to live with a widow for who knows how long he wasn't doing it for self-glory. He was doing it because he was following after God and doing God's will. And God used him. So then he said to Ahab, it's going to rain. Get going. And then he went, he went over by himself and he put his face between his knees and he prayed. And he told his servant to go and look toward the sea. And then he told him again. And he continued praying. And he told him again. And he continued praying. Seven times he told his servant to go and look. And this whole time Elijah's got his face between his knees and he's, he's earnestly begging God to follow through. And I think that, that right there is the, the part that I miss is the persistence and the, the heart for, for God's will to be done. And then the sky grew dark and he, he, he started running. The sky grew dark and it started to downpour. And he, uh, he passed up this chariot as he's running. But in those seven times, it must have felt like an eternity. God said, I'm going to use you for this. And then he asked and nothing happened. And he asked and he pleaded and he sent his servant to look and nothing and I think that we forget that there's persistence, that God wants us to humbly and persistently seek his will. And I forget that all the time. And in my prayer life recently, I've been, I've been spending a little bit more time uh, seeking God's will and, and seeking his change in the world for his glory, not for mine. And I have been, I have been struck by, by tears and weeping um, for people who are lost and for uh, countries that are torn and for uh, diseases that are destroying countries and people's lives and fires that are devastating whole communities. And I want my heart to be in line with God's heart. And the only way that I know how to do that is to continually read God's word, try and understand where he's coming from, what he's doing in this world, and and humbling myself before him to say, I want your will to be done. Please use me. Because I know that you are a God that uses broken, weird, messed up people like me. I was going to call that a wrap, but something felt unsaid. Uh, Elijah, not only did he struggle as he prayed, but several times he... He doubted and he feared, and there were a few times in there that 
he asked God to kill him. Like he had he had some pretty dark and suicidal thoughts. And 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 that shows me that he was very human. He was very much like me. That he was broken and that he didn't have all the answers. And that even though he saw God work firsthand right there, he still struggled. And I think that we often believe that if we just saw one miracle, that that would set us up for life and that we would have rock-solid faith for, for the rest of our lives. And I don't think that's true. Well, I know it's not true because I have seen miracles firsthand, especially when I was a kid. Growing up in Indonesia, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens. And we still struggle. We still have doubts. We still have fears. Right after Elijah went through this whole thing on Mount Carmel, he went down, he went into Israel, and uh, Jezebel, uh, Ahab's wife, said, I'm going to kill you. And she, you know, makes some lofty promises. And Elijah is in fear, runs away, and he's terrified. And he just, he just called fire down on this mountain. But he's afraid of this queen who's threatening him after all of Israel has joined his side. I think that we we think we we put people up on these pedestals like they're they're all that, but he feared right like right after like like less than a day, same day, and he went away and he said, "God, kill me now. I'm tired. I'm 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 depressed, and I don't like this." And it's through that, it's through those hard times that God works, and it's in spite of those hard times that He works, and. And he works that same way now, too. He works through broken, humble, hurting, depressed people. So if that's you, if that's anybody listening to this someday, uh, back in James, he talks about confessing sins. Not just to God, but to the elders. And then the elders pray for them. So there's actually accountability. Instead of just saying them out loud to an empty room, um, confessing to God is good, but he's talking about a community of believers and confessing to them. And then they pray for you. And the intense prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Like Elijah's. And then down there, the last couple of verses says, My brothers, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, he should know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways, will save his life from death and cover a multitude of sins. Choose life. Confess, pray, and humbly seek God's will. I guess these podcasts are going to get longer.